Welcome back to the Dynasty Market Watch, where yesterday's price is not today's price, presented by the Bulletproof family of podcasts. I'm Todd Halverson. I'm joined by Brian O'Leary and Matt Davis. I realized I didn't introduce you guys last week. That's on me. So I think we have a pretty exciting show today. We've got a few spicy takes. I've had a bunch of requests in the DMs to get to talking about these incoming rookies. And we're going to do just that today. We're going to go through the consensus top seven rookies for Superflex rookie drafts and hit on their market value within their position group and where they're going in startups, kind of their rookie rankings, what we would do to maybe maneuver the boards to get those players in, in the first half of those rookie drafts. So we're going to be hitting on the three QBs, Caleb Williams, Jaden Daniels, Drake May, the three receivers, Marvin Harrison Jr., Malik Neighbors, and the highly contentious Romo Dunze and the tight end that we're all licking our chops to get, Brock Bowers. And then maybe we'll touch on some of those guys in the 108 to the 112 range, which is basically just a glob and who knows at this point. But without further ado, Brian, play that fat Joe. Yesterday's price is not today's price. Brian, lead us off. Caleb Williams. The 101 consensus for rookie drafts. Yeah, first of all, I want to give a quick shout out to Kratos. We know he's listening, so um, thanks for tuning in he again. Invited. Yeah, there you go. So maybe we'll we'll get the chat with him at some point. But yeah, we're, we'll we'll uh, we'll get to that. I'm sure. Uh, but yeah, Caleb Williams. My primary take here is, I think there's a lot of recency bias of these hyped up prospects and not meeting expectations whether it be quarterback or like trevor lawrence or kyle pitts or whoever like the these next chosen ones that i think some people um kind of look down on the dynasty community for like anointing these people so for me i think caleb williams anyone that's watched him play over the couple of years he's played in college he's got all sorts of flashes of patch Mahomes. He's got improvisation. He's got arm strength. He's got legs. He's got all the talent, all the things you're looking for. So I think it's a matter of prospect fatigue at this point that Caleb Williams and the 101 is kind of like we're all of a sudden we're hearing all these debates for who should be 101. And oh, yeah, definitely trade off a 101 for this package that probably isn't out there. Um, so I guess that is my primary take is that prospect fatigue is really setting in with Caleb Williams. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, so I have I have the 101 in six leagues. Um, two of the six, me and you are just sort of in a standoff right now, uh, Brian, where <laughs> you have Jordan Love. Uh, you have Caleb higher than Love. I have Love higher than Caleb. You think I'm going to cave and do a straight up trade at some point this offseason? I'm asking for a small plus. But like outside of those two leagues, I've been shopping the 101 in my other four leagues. And I'm not getting near the value that like he seems to be seems to have in startups. Like uh, I think in your guys' recent startup, he went like 109. I want to say mm-hmm. um, he, he seems like a late first uh, startup pick. And people are, I, I just can't trade him yet. And I don't know if that you know this isn't a great time to trade top five picks. Usually, you want to wait till closer to rookie draft. So that's just kind of what I'm doing. Um, but I do 
agree with you. I think there's some prospect fatigue and there's just some general skepticism about him that um, I I think if you want to, if you're really high on Caleb and you think he like belongs in that Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert tier, I think now is a really good time to, you know, uh, start making offers for the one-on-one because it seems like not everybody is really bought in yet. Yeah, Matt, I think that's a good point. And I've actually gone and sort of looked into it a little bit. But I I kind of attest Caleb Williams very similarly to Stroud in that their values in the market. We all know that Caleb Williams is like the startup 109, 110. We know that Stroud is like a startup 103, 104. But yeah. nobody really wants to be sitting and holding the bag with those guys. Like I've seen a few trade offers. I know, Brian, you maybe can um, talk about one of the trade offers you received. People are trying to trade Stroud and trade Caleb Williams at those prices. And nobody really wants to buy. And so I just kind of feel like that there's a parallel between Stroud and Caleb Williams. I'm not saying they're the same value, but people are very uneasy about owning the player at that value. I will be very brief with the the trade that I offer that I received. Uh, I have Kyler Murray. I have 102 and I have 104. And the other manager has CJ Stroud. So he wanted those three pieces. So one of Marvin Harrison, Jr., Jane Daniels, or two of Marvin Harrison, Jane Daniels, Drake May, plus Kyler uh, for Stroud, essentially. And, uh, running back or back end wide receiver. So that's that's where we're at. And I don't think that's necessarily market, but that's kind of like speaking to your point, Todd, for sure. People he, shooting he their shots. Yeah, he he hit you with the uh how close counter? question mark. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can I get a counter? Uh n- no bro we're not we're not we're not close enough. The one so thing like, my counter my counter will ship like, three first on my favor in if if you're asking for a counter at that point if you can't take the hint, that's where I'm at. The one thing that Caleb has going for him, um, I, like you said, he has a, just an absolutely amazing highlight reel, um, all that. But he also runs, so he's always going. So that he's going to have like a baked-in floor when it comes to fantasy that other top prospects don't really have. So, what do you think about like him versus Anthony Richardson, Brian? Like, because uh, Anthony Richardson, I mean, what was he averaging like thirty points per game, like a pace last year, just insane. Yeah, like the uh, same yeah. year. In dynasty startups, yeah, I, I I like them both. To be clear, uh, I think obviously everyone probably feels this way, so it's not necessarily a hot take or anything interesting. But Richardson's style of play is concerning potentially. Yeah. Um. But I mean, we saw in the that small sample size last year, and with uh their coach and their weapons that they seem to be having and accumulating, that he there's to me there's no reason Anthony Richardson can't take that like. Uh, to to use someone that we've maybe talked about a little bit, like a Jordan Love type of leap in terms of big plays, might not have the highest completion percentage all the time, but elevates his weapons and elevates his his, his uh, overall value like pretty quickly. And if Anthony Richardson can do that, I think he skyrockets. Where Caleb is probably going to take a year to like figure things out. I don't think he's going to necessarily take the league by storm. Um, so I think that's an interesting value proposition for sure. So when you ask that question, my initial thought is, okay, I'm going to take the conservative route of Anthony Richardson because I've seen something from him. 
And then I'm starting to think like, okay, so I'm saying the conservative route is four NFL games from or whatever it was. I think it was four NFL games from Anthony Richardson. He only played two or three full games. Yeah. That's not the conservative route. Like we we didn't see a large enough sample to say that the conservative route is Anthony. The conservative route is Caleb Williams because yeah, we saw definitely. two and a half monster seasons. I mean, Anthony Richardson was shit in college. If we if we hadn't seen those four games from Anthony Richardson, we're, we're probably overvaluing those games. And was he awesome? It's, Absolutely, he was. He he was incredible in those in that sample size. But Caleb Williams has been one of the best prospects we've seen for two and a half years. And you asked that question. And from the time that Brian started talking to the end, I changed from Anthony Richardson to Caleb it's, Williams. And it's just, he's just such a good prospect and we're just, it, we're, we're really underrating it. It's funny, Todd, because you're, you're talking about like, what's the safer option. I also think Caleb Williams probably has a higher ceiling. Like as much as I said, Anthony Richardson can skyrocket. Caleb Williams has the floor and ceiling. He has a higher ceiling in fantasy, though. Um, that, that does, that, yeah. That does, that does not mean Anthony Richardson won't surpass him or be better than him. I'm just saying, like peak, you know, outcomes high and low. I think it's probably Caleb Williams because he has, again, like for people that haven't watched him play a lot, he plays like Patrick Mahomes. So if he's in the right situation, yeah, he can be a five thousand. He can be a five thousand yard passer, and that wouldn't be like crazy. He can be a forty touchdown pass guy that's yeah, not that's not out of question he, and and he's he's less of a runner like in the in the sense of like maybe like kyler lamar he he stays in the pocket with his movement often and like keeps plays alive and really really like to me like we've seen like that we talked about kelsey last week that elevates a lot of guys that maybe are less talented and or falling off a little bit of a cliff and elevates them to something that they wouldn't have been otherwise so he's a floor raiser for other players as well one rushing touchdowns the last two years. I wanted to ask you guys, like, so from what I can tell, there's two main knocks on Caleb Williams. And I think one we're all going to agree is nonsense. And that's like the maturity makeup. Like he cried one time because he lost a big game. He paints his nails. It's just a bunch of bullshit, right? Uh, I don't think any of us. Nails. I have toenails are painted right now because my daughter is, she's five years old and she thought it'd be fun <laughs> to paint my toenails. So um, I guess you're throwing moment. Caleb Williams under the bus. You could throw him, you could throw me under the bus too, because my daughter thinks it's hilarious to paint my toenails. Yeah. So, I mean, I have no concerns about his makeup, uh, his attitude, any, any of that. Uh, it's just all nonsense. Uh, the other one, I think there could be some legitimacy to is that, uh, people, some people are concerned about his ability to play within structure in the NFL when the timing matters more than anything. And that a lot of his plays were like you said, Brian, like off script running around. Uh, that's the type of shit that got like gets Justin Fields killed every Sunday. Um, so I, is, I don't is, think there's a lot Fields, to criticize there. What's that? Matt, Matt, you know, better than I do is fields more of decisiveness or like holding the, like, is it him wanting to run? Like Caleb wants to push it down the field. I feel like to me, like fields was trying to like run too much. And now he, his decisiveness with like the plays anticipation, that type of thing. And that's what holds him back a little bit more. Fields than, is like, like the choke the chicken. Whereas like Caleb Williams is more like, I'm not necessarily choking the chicken. I'm just like looking for the home run. Like Which we have, still, yeah, it's we still, it's still a knock. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I'm just mean is is it a different knock? Like it's in the same overall, you know, house of issues, but is it the same issue? 
I think they're similar in the sense that Fields is generally always looking to make a big play, whether that's running or throwing deep. He does like to throw, take shots deep downfield. Uh, there was time at times that Luke Getze just called three straight screen passes, um, like when they were backed up in their own end zone. And I, I, I think Fields coaching has largely failed him in the NFL. And that would be the one thing that I would point to in AR's favor over Caleb is uh, listeners of the pod going back to October. Uh, probably have heard me say this, but I love Shane Steichen. He's just a madman in all the best ways. And his pace of play is just insane. Uh, there was, I mean, you might know this better than me, Brian, as a Colts fan, but several times a game, they're just snapping the ball with 25 seconds left on the play clock, which is very rare. So they just run a lot of plays. They got a lot of good offense production. Got Gardner Minshew on the doorstep of the playoffs uh, that week 18 game with the Texans. So I, I, I know Richardson is in an environment that I love. I think Caleb is going to be drafted by the Bears and go to an environment I do not love at all. I, and I do think that matters a lot for the development of these quarterbacks. So that would be a piece I wouldn't totally overlook in the AR versus Caleb debate. I, I think that's definitely a factor for a lot of people's perception right now. They're assuming the Bears ruin whoever they touch kind of thing. <laughs> Um, which, I mean, we can't, we can't really dispute that too often here. Um, but anyways, we've, we've talked a lot about Caleb. We've, we've branched off into a couple other quarterbacks comparisons. Um, Matt, why don't you hit us with your favorite of the two next quarterbacks? So either Jaden Daniels or Drake may. It's tough man. Kind of them together, but yeah, I, yeah, yeah I, I, I lump them together. Yeah. Why don't you, yeah clump them together. Sure. They're, they're I, I don't know who to like more. I, I, I kind of think it's almost like the conservative versus shooting for the moon thing Todd was talking about uh, last segment where, like, I think Drake May is the safer bet. But, you know, Daniels, I, obviously, I think has more upside. He's he's a much more dynamic runner, even though Drake May does run. I, to me, I kind of see Drake May as a safer option. I don't think that's necessarily like reinventing the wheel or anything by saying that. But like his safer option is maybe not something sexy to some people, but like a, like to me, I think Kirk Cousins ish is like his floor, and you know, not accounting for like the volume that Kirk Cousins had as well, but like that type of player as his floor, that's a pretty nice floor to have. Jaden Daniels, on the other hand, he's a little bit older, which we talked about off air. Like QB age is overrated. I think in general, in terms of like once they're in the NFL and good situation, draft capital, et cetera. But like he is a great runner. He's got a strong arm. He could very well become like the next Anthony Richardson. Uh, He did more in the college field than Anthony Richardson certainly did. So that's someone that that's someone I think that's going to get a ton of hype. And he's probably I I, kind of hinted at this last week. I think he's going to become 102, Jaden Daniels. I I think that's probably a a good bet or a good prediction. I, I do think with Drake May, just like you said with Caleb Williams, I definitely get a sense that there's some prospect fatigue here. And I think where age does matter is I think we should have to account for that. It took Jaden Daniels, what, like five years in college to do what okay. Drake May was doing his second year in college. So like, I, I think some of that matters. And I, I do think people are trying to talk themselves out of Drake May and talk themselves into Jaden Daniels. And that that to me feels like Drake 
could end up being a value where he slips to like 104 in the rookie drafts. And then a year from now, he's Justin Herbert. And like, it's like, well, man, why did we fade this guy? <laughs> it's it's so it's I, what I, literally, I it's what literally happened year. to Justin Herbert. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep. And it happened with CJ Stroud last year. We took him at the 106. I mean, and that is why, yeah. like for me, I just think that the 105, 106 this year are the sweetest spots to be drafting because it's like when you buy a, buy a house, that's a fixer upper you're planning on recouping some value because you're going to like between now and the draft, the, that one Oh five or one Oh six is going to increase in value. Sure. But you're also not baking into the fact that that one Oh five or one Oh six could end up being Drake may or Jaden Daniels that drops back because people are, get excited about neighbors or Bowers and you end up getting the CJ Stroud at the one Oh six, you get a Justin Herbert at the one Oh six. And in the same way of like a, you know, you buy a house in a certain neighborhood and you, you know, it's a fixer upper, but the neighborhood value goes up because a bunch of other houses are being fixed up in the same area. And you're not even accounting for that when you buy the house. So I think that that 105, 106 is just a sweet spot to be drafting. And I think you're right, Matt, that there's just some prospect fatigue on Drake May. I really only have one reservation with Drake May. And if you don't stay with me here, you're going to think I'm just helmet scouting. But when I compare... Um, what Drake May and Sam Howell did. Sam Howell and Drake May were in the same offense. They were in the same scheme. They had a little bit of crossover on players like Josh Downs. I would say Sam Howell probably had a little bit better supporting cast, but Sam Howell's numbers were a little better than Drake May's. And that, that scares me a little bit. Drake May has better tools for the NFL than Sam Howell. But like, if I look at the yards per attempt, Sam Howell better in year two than Drake May, better a little bit better in year three than Drake May. If I look at um, adjusted yards per attempt, Sam Howell a little bit better than Drake May, and so it just, that does scare me a little bit. That okay, we have this guy that has proven that he can't succeed in the NFL pretty much, and we have a guy that was in a very similar scheme that probably wasn't quite as good, and we're saying that he's going to be way better. I just, that is a little bit scary for me. With that said, I love Drake May, but that's my only reservation if I had one on the Drake May hype train, if you will. Well, and May and Howell, I, I think they, they're not exactly the same type of player, but I believe they both play a style of what our friend David Plout likes to call bozo ball, where if you look at Drake May's highlights, like he is running around like, and then just winging it like, and that's a lot of what Sam Howell does uh, also that kind of gets him in trouble, but it also leads to like incredible highlights and shows off their arm talent. The only other thing I would, I, I don't know enough, maybe you do Brian, but uh, Howell played with better teammates, right? With that, like Josh Downs. And I, I generally got the impression that some of North Carolina's weapons left and Drake May was left with a little bit worse than what Drake May this year had Tez Walker and he missed the first three, four games of the season. And that was the first if, year with them. If, and, if it's, and, he, and he's proving at senior bowl that he's not the best receiver. He's fast, but like certainly not a great receiver to me. Drake May has, he's a can, he has a cannon. He's huge. He runs well. Um, he's, He's, I mean, he's like, we're talking about young, he's 20, 21, it, he's redshirt sophomore. It's, I mean, he's, he right away was awesome. So if, if all you did was watch uh, the 
last week of the senior bowl and nothing else, you would come away with the impression that Tez Walker is the worst football player in the country. <laughs> like I, 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 it's been a while since I've heard someone yeah, have my that God, bad the poor team. guy. Everybody by the end of it. I still think like he'll be, he'll be like a boomer bust type of player. Um, yeah. And he might end up becoming like a value because everyone's just shitting on his throat right now. But yeah, tough, tough, tough week for him. Here's the thing. Last year, um, Rasheed Rice was supposedly terrible at the Senior Bowl. The Senior Bowl really tailors to guys that are separators, the quick twitch guys, the guys like a Roman Wilson, Tank Dell last year. Like it really tailors to those types of players because they're like running like short intermediate routes. There's not a contest. It's not like a contested catch game. It's not like the deep ball yeah. game. So it's like it's, it's tough film, to guys. take much from it. But you do get to see. Yeah, you do get to see the Roman Wilson or the Tank Dell type that. Um, can look explosive in the short intermediate or lad McConkey, those type guys. So I don't, I don't want us to like totally breeze right over Dan Daniels, but we kind of got to keep, keep things moving along here. But if, if as of right now, just give me the, the cheaper one of Daniels and may as, as things stand today is kind of where I'm at between those two. That's how I feel. Uh, Brian gun to your head. You are on the clock. You have to take one. Are you taking may or Jaden Daniels? You I can't, can't trade. That. I can't, um, I would take. Let's say Marvin take, Harrison's gone. You're at the 103, and it went Caleb and Marvin. Yeah, I would take Daniels. I think. Yeah, but that's I, again. That's not that. I just. I. That's a bigger swing. Yeah, you're shooting for the upside. I. I. I think I lean that way, but man, I go back and forth all the time. I'm. 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 I. I mean, Todd's definitely sold me on the on the concept of like make the decision for me try and get back to 105 106 don't live with the deep-seated regret in the year later if, if the guy that you ended up with bus but yeah it's a little bit of a cop-out but yeah I'll, I'll take daniels what about you todd daniels i'd probably lean may because i think that the median outcome is probably a is a little bit safer there's also all right so I don't want to belabor it here, but Daniels has the outcome of things don't go well at the combine between now and then he has the outcome of, I mean, like if we look at, what was it? Two years ago, people were taking Malik Willis at the one Oh one in rookie drafts this time of year. And then he just fell completely apart. I don't think that's going to happen with Jaden Daniels, but there's an outcome where instead of top three pick, maybe he's around that 12 mark. And that would, be a, a clear like differentiator between Drake May and and that could sure. also happen with Drake May. I feel just a little bit safer with Drake May from a draft capital standpoint. But I mean at the end of the day I'm gonna take the one that has better draft this capital. Is, this is a reason why I'll never be on board with the rookie drafts before NFL drafts people. Um because it's just like I don't know, it's just silly to me. You're like looking for people to screw things up and then your league is just gonna be worse off because of it. I, I, I just just, that just doesn't that doesn't seem fun to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's, of, the, that's the challenge of doing this, you know, early February. Anthony Richardson this time last year was kind of talked about in like that top 10, top 15 conversation. And then he had basically the best combine any quarterback has ever had. And I think that kind of locked him into where he ended up getting drafted. So we could see the same thing with Daniels uh, this sure. year. So we're talking fun quarterbacks and uh, Jane Daniels has a teammate that we know has been talked about plenty, Todd. So Malik Neighbors, Marvin Harrison Jr., what do you got for us? 
So I'm to the point now, like Marvin Harrison Jr. side, let's talk neighbors right now. I'm to the point now with neighbors. Like I've pulled all the data in. Um, you're hearing what people are saying, like film wise. You look at his draft capital potential on mock drafts. I'm to the point now where he's above the whole group of like that massive tier of like Nico, Ayuk, Devontae Smith, all those guys. He's a t- ahead of that tier. He's probably in the tier with like Alave and AJ Brown. And I'm very tempted to put him at the top of that tier. I think Alave is actually a decent comp for him. And he might be better. And I think that the the floor range is very close to Alave, where like even if a, a bad outcome with with neighbors, I'm probably just sitting in that like Devontae Smith tier. And like how how different is Devontae from Alave? So what the heck? I'll just put him ahead of him because I think that ceiling might be higher. So you're talking AJ Brown, Olave. That's like in terms of startup value. That's like late two, three, early three range. That's where you'd want to be taking Malik Neighbors. Where I'd want to be taking him, I'm not really. I well, mean, yeah, I, well, I guess what you would have to take him so as if, if you're took, talking those receivers. I we were talking 105 earlier. I took the 105 at the end of the third round in the startup that you and I are in. With that pick, I'm assuming worst case scenario, I'm taking Malik Neighbors with that pick. Yeah. Best case scenario, a Jaden Daniels or a Drake May falls to me because somebody else gets excited about Malik Neighbors. I'm perfectly fine if Malik Neighbors is the one that falls to me and I have him, I took him as wide receiver 11 in that startup. If that's what happens, sure, I'm, I'm good with it. I hate to say that, like, that Malik Neighbors and Marvin Harrison Jr. are like, becoming closer to the same tier for me, but they are like Malik neighbors based on like my pre-draft data and stuff. Like he's like the, I don't even put this out, putting shiny. this out into the ether. He's, a new he's, like shiny the fifth, toy. he's like the fifth best prospect since 2010. I, I don't want to break the record for saying the words prospect fatigue, but are we sure that's not what's happening here with Marvin Harrison? Because you're not alone in that. I've, I've well, seen Marvin a lot Harrison of... Jr. is my second best prospect since 2010. So. <laughs> yeah. I've so seen a lot he... of people kind of c- compare those two as equals, neighbors and Marvin. It's scary to like a kind of abandon such a spectacular prospect with name recognition, who was at a big school, who produced – like Marvin Harrison Jr. and Malik Neighbors, I would guess 90, 95% of people playing Dynasty didn't even know he existed a year ago. So it's kind of, it's interesting for sure. That doesn't mean he's not spectacular in the fifth best prospects in 2010, but it's it's scary how quick that can happen. It's two-pronged, really. It seems like, to me, Neighbors hits both groups of people. Like, like Todd uh, does the numbers, and neighbor scores extremely well there. And then just, you know, guys like me who just watch tape, not like not like study film, like like tape grinders, but just watch highlights and stuff like neighbors jumps off the screen, like every time he has the ball in his hands. So, I mean, he he is the type of guy that can turn any touch into a 70 yard touchdown, which is pretty exciting, especially when you consider that he has all the other factors working for him as well. So if you're watching on YouTube, I'm going to share my screen here. And um, what we're looking at is the top six draft picks since 2010. And on the list, you've got Sammy Watkins, Amari Cooper, A.J. Green, Jamar Chase, Corey Davis, Justin Blackman, Julio Jones, Jalen Waddell. 
And so if Malik neighbors, I think it's pretty clear cut that Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be in that top five, top six. Yeah. If Malik neighbors can jump into that top six, I mean, you're looking at just a bunch of studs really. And combine the fact that he's a much better prospect than like Corey Davis, Justin Blackman were. Um, Sammy Watkins couldn't stop drinking alcohol. And so he kind of fell off the face of the earth, but he did have a 16 point per game season. I just think that the the floor is just really high for Malik neighbors. I think that they're probably a lot closer. So, I mean, for example, I, I have um, across my leagues, I've got I mean, 14 leagues. I've got four one Oh two, something like that. My plan tentatively now is to try to attempt or diversify between Marvin Harrison Jr. and Malik Neighbors pretty much even. Obviously, anything time I have the 102, I'm going to only take, I'm only going to move back to take Neighbors and get a plus. I'm not going to take Neighbors at the 102, but I will take maybe Marvin Harrison Jr. a couple times at the 102 and then move back into that 14 or 15 uh, range and end up with Neighbors a couple times as well, because I think that they're yeah. probably just similar prospects, to be honest. Yeah, Todd, it's, I think it's wheels up if, if neighbors gets this, this, this uh, draft capital, you're looking at across those list of eight guys that have already been drafted 16, I believe uh, 16 plus point per game seasons. Uh, that That's pretty crazy in terms of like hit rate. Like that is telling you like you're going to get a 16, point per game season at least if not yeah. a couple just on average off based off of that data that's i mean that's huge and that kind of goes that. back to my point of taking of, of being okay with him ahead of Olave, aj brown and i i understand like i am i'm pushing the envelope a little bit with the aj brown one um yeah brian brian you're not concurring with that you're taking AJ. yeah i ha- i hate that but that's that's <laughs> well, so so if i had aj brown the take would probably be, okay, if I have A.J. Brown, can I trade for the pick that's about to become neighbors and get a plus? Get can, like I make a that happen? can I get it? Can I get a second? Can I get a running back that might help me win now like an Aaron Jones? Can I do something like that where I'm combining youth and maybe getting a little bit older? But if he was like top six, we were talking about we're talking about like a Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle level type of prospect, and we need to we need to respect it. And how much of a difference if I end up with a guy that's really just like Devontae Smith? How much am I really losing between Devontae Smith and AJ Brown when I'm gaining like six years back? What what was my loss? It's not a lot. Yeah, it's a fair point. I mean, so I think comparing uh, Marvin Harrison to neighbors, I I think we've kind of covered that it's not it's not anything to do with prospect fatigue for Marvin. It's just simply that neighbors is that good and profiles as that good. And we kind of want to make that clear. The thing that I find interesting is like up until the last week, I haven't seen Marvin and neighbors compared that much. And then it started happening in the last week or so. Most of this offseason, I've seen neighbors and Bowers compared to each other very often where that's going to flip-flop 105, 106. Yeah, Bowers would be my dynasty tight end one. So you're you're basically comparing him, okay, Bowers or Laporta or or McBride. Let's just put them all three. They're basically in the same tier. So, But if I had to choose one, I'm going to take Bowers, and it's very similar to the idea of like neighbors versus A.J. Brown. The thought is, okay, if I lose the bet, how much do I lose the bet by? 
Laporta is not a Kelsey type of outcome. I mean, are Bowers, we sure? Kel, I mean, Kelsey, I mean, come on. Kelsey's Kelsey's numbers were insane. Like Laporta's are good, but he, he's he's not that he's not, maybe like Kelsey. Like this past year, they were pretty similar, honestly. <laughs> but I'm mean, talking about like Kelsey <laughs> for like five or six years outcome. He's probably not that. And Brock Bowers may not be either. But I think that there is the better chance that the ceiling is higher and the floor is not much lower. We're probably looking at like tight end like six, probably like a Dalton Kincaid. And again, how much did I really lose the bet by if I, if I lose? But there's a chance that I win and I could win three times over because Brock Bowers becomes Travis Kelsey. Brian, you look like you want to respond. Yeah, I mean, that's just it's tough if 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 our comp list is he's not Travis Kelsey, prime Travis Kelsey. That's that's tough for me to wrap my head around. Uh, like Laporta was a rookie this past year and was the best tight end in the league. I, I get that maybe he doesn't have this like exciting, like he's going to have 1600 yards or like 20 touchdowns in a season, but like who, who it like it's Travis Kelsey, it's Gronkowski. It's like Tony Gonzalez. There's a couple, like a couple guys that existed ever like that where Brock Bowers I, as a prospect. Awesome. I raved about him last, last week. I I'm fully in on Brock Bowers. I thought, it, but if I'm taking him as the tight end one without landing spot, draft capital, what his role is going to be. We saw with like yeah. Dalton Kincaid, for example. We didn't know we like like Zoltan was huge on Kincaid. We didn't know how he was going to be used. He assumed one thing, the Bills used him another way. So like that limited his ceiling type of thing. So like Brock Bowers might go into a situation where they're like, hey, he's a good blocker and he's gonna get some red zone touchdowns, but they might not utilize him the way that we hope or want him to, too. So it's, we know how they're going to use Laporta. Yeah. I we know th- how I mean, they're going to use McBride. I, I, there you, I can only, only based on like kind of what we know. I'm kind of assuming that he gets like top 10 draft capital. Like, could he go to a terrible landing spot and fall to 26, like Kincaid? Okay. Well then I'm not taking him. I'm not taking him as tight end one, but if he can get that top 10 draft capital, I just think that the the downside is not that not that low. My bet of busting of of, go, of going over twenty one is if if that happens, I probably just land in like the tight end five five six range. And tight end is so flat at this point. Even if he ends up just poofing into nothing, the gap between like Laporta and like let's use just a dirty one like Komet is not as far as that gap was three, four years ago when it was Kelsey versus like tight end nine. That, that, that line was steep between yeah. those two levels. Yeah. Whereas this, yeah, this sure. gap isn't as, isn't as wide. But we're, again, we're comping like generational versus poor seasons as well. Right. Like Kelsey. But we also versus... have a generational prospect. I mean, he's the sure. best prospect we've had in uh, ever. Kelsey was a generational prospect wise, but I would be more comfortable like, if you were saying, hey, Brock Bowers versus Mark Andrews, I'm on board with that part, um, at least like the argument side of things. But it's it's like re-rolling after you hit. It's 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 weird to me. So you did ask me uh, before this week's episode to reach out to Cousin Pat and ask him if he had any takes on the top seven guys. 
And I, I didn't think he would have a lot of takes because, uh, like a lot of Dynasty players, I think he's just waiting, waiting for more information. But he did say he's a very big Brock Bowers guy. So I think he might lean towards towards your take, Todd. I, I think after hearing you guys go back and forth, I told you guys I was in the middle of it. I think I sort of land with Brian. I The the combination of floor and ceiling that I think Laporta has already showed and we know he has good coaching, especially for one more year with Ben Johnson coming back. He's in a perfect offensive environment for him. Jared Goff is a very good quarterback in terms of his pass catchers. He's a very, like her cousins, he's a very fantasy-friendly quarterback. So I kind of lean Laporta, but I, I I don't think it's crazy at all to have Bowers as your dynasty tight end one. I do think he's the best tight end prospect we've ever seen. And I'm going to completely cop out and say, like, the draft capital – that stuff's going to matter. Like that's going to all matter on this. We'll sway one way or the other. Like if he goes five to the chargers. Yeah. I'm going to be sticking with Bowers at tight end one. I think probably a lot of people, if it's like some weird landing spot as like the, like, all right, like the Titans at seven. Now we're like, okay, like he got the draft capital. It's kind of a shit spot to go. They don't, I mean, they got Will Levis, I guess, but kind of an in-betweener. All right. He falls outside of the top 12 and he goes like, I've seen him 15 to the Colts. Now I'm probably back to Laporta at, at tight end one because he lost a little bit of the draft capital that I was hoping for. See, I would be more excited about that. Well, you're a Colts fan, so that makes sense. Well, yeah, but like in, in fantasy wise, like Matt's talking about like coaching and usage and we're raving about Anthony Richardson. Like I would be very excited. I wouldn't necessarily move him ahead, but I would be more excited. Like outside of the Chargers, Chargers, obviously that's like the fantasy dream spot. Everyone agrees there, but. I, would I just rather care more about the draft capital, really. I yeah. mean, I want a good landing spot, but I care more about the draft capital in that it, if he goes like six, five, six, seven, eight, that means the NFL is telling us this dude. I mean, we know he's a stud, but like now the NFL is agreeing with us. Like this dude's a stud and we're going to get him involved unless you're Kyle Pitts and you go to Arthur Smith. And you combine that with maybe a, a, a like a, a, an average to above average landing spot or a smash spot with the Chargers is where things could get really sexy. And uh, the one spot that is kind of jammed in there that I don't want to see any of these guys go to, I just want them to take a lineman or some shit, is the New York Giants at six. Like, uh, not a DePaul guy, not a Daniel Jones guy. Don't think they have a lot going for them. Just not a situation I want any of these top rookies to land in. So that Seems like that's that's a receiver spot. And it might be this receiver we're about to talk about next, which seems to be like the consensus 107, Roma Dunze. We kind of did a lot on Rome last week. I will say that as someone who's pretty high on him and uh, the NFL is really high on him, a lot of your comps data-wise do kind of worry me, Todd, but uh, we see it consistently in these mock drafts. Consistently, a lot of the top NFL draft evaluators have Odunze equal to or above neighbors. Um, I don't know why that is. Brian, do you have any idea why that would be? They're dumb. I don't, I, I think they're, I think it's, I think it's laziness probably. And they said, Hey, this guy had this many touchdowns and this many yards. And that's like Kratos. Follow Kratos the fourth. Yeah. That he just keeps retweeting the, the gross yardage for the last season. Sports, sports and, I, I, keep replying with, I keep replying to anything he says and just quote tweeting that stat because it's and I'm just like low key trolling. I don't think he has any idea. He just wants the misinformation to keep getting spread. 
But um, it brings me to a bigger topic. I hate to not really answer your question, Matt, because I don't have a great answer. But like the big NFL people that like comp prospects to like only Hall of Famers and superstars drives me absolutely nuts. Like I saw for Odunze, I think Matt, you might have shared it with us. Um, as Odunze is the next Larry Fitzgerald, and it's just like, what the fuck? Like, like let's let this guy get drafted. Let's let him do anything before you compare him to like this Hall of Famer. Like compare him to. Like, I don't know, Mike, Mike Williams out of USC or something like that. He's a big guy that did really well in college. And we'll see after that. And you can shift that doesn't mean you're an idiot. But I think you look like an absolute moron when you're just saying, I need to give someone a name that they'll recognize and it'll pop so that I get more clicks and shit like that. Drives me well, Mike Williams is a great segue, and appreciate you picking <laughs> me up there, Brian. Because what we're looking at on the screen here, if you're on YouTube, but if you're not on the podcast, I'll I'll let you know. But um, we are looking at a list of top twelve draft picks that had less than two point five yards per team pass attempt in their years two three seasons. So last week I talked a little bit about this. Yards per team pass attempt, it's your receiving yards per game divided by your team's pass attempts per game. And there's a lot of signal for this stat. It, it really shows a lot strong correlation to fantasy success. And so what we're looking at right now is top 12 draft picks since 2010 that had less than 2.5 yards per team pass attempt in years two and three. And the list includes Justin Blackman, Mike Williams, Kevin White, Tavon Austin, John Ross, Jamison Williams, and we're probably going to add Romo Dunze to this list. And I know cool. last week, Matt, your pushback um, on some of the comps that I've given on Romo Dunze were that the guys that I was kind of part of the comp list, part of the whole first round, had a lot of guys at the end of the first round. And you were right. There was a probably 20 guys part of that, of that list were at the end of the first round. This is just a list of seven players, and they're all, besides Mike Williams, bums. And um, Roma Dunze is about to join them. Yeah, the I, we don't have to go through, like, the whole list. Uh, for anyone that is uh, listening on Spotify who's who's not seeing the screen, it's just uh, Odunze and, like, six guys who are terrible. Uh, and <laughs> Mike Williams, who's fine. But, like... Just really quick. So the, if we were talking about the top 12 picks and then now here are the top 12 picks with a greater than 2.5 yards per team pass attempt since 2010. Sheesh. And it's a who's who of, of fantasy studs. I mean, quickly go through them. Watt, Sammy Watkins, Amari Cooper, AJ Green, Jamar Chase, Corey Davis bust, Julio Jones, Jalen Waddle, Mike Evans, Drake London, TBD, Devontae Smith, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Odo Beckham Jr., and Malik Neighbors and Marvin Harrison Jr. will join that list. Yeah, that's a very impressive list. <laughs> okay, I just want to really quickly, I don't really like this guy, but Odell Beckham Jr. having four 18-plus point-per-game seasons and then in total only having five 12 or more, like that was like peak like elite, 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 and then non-existent because of the injuries and stuff. It's kind of crazy. We got robbed of like another Julio Jones type. Him and Michael Thomas both, really. Historically great starts to their careers and then just completely fell off a cliff. Like in in their, when they should have been entering their prime, it's kind of bizarre. 
So that wraps the 101 through the 107. I think that'll be pretty consensus, at least through the combine and probably up until the time that we get draft capital, that those will be your top seven players in you know mock rookie drafts. Let's look at like the 108 to the 112. This is where, to me, like I was talking about taking Bowers over Laporte. I was talking about taking neighbors over A.J. Brown. For me, the 108 to the 112 is where things just like fall off the map for me. And I'm really uncomfortable with these guys. I don't see anybody that I can like point to and say like, this is a really good prospect. He's going to be a steal on draft day. Like I don't have that guy right now. Maybe draft capital will help it out. But Brian, I know you've been at least talking about being bullish about this range. Yeah, I'm buying 108 to like 202 right now. Because I think talking Xavier Worthy, Troy Franklin, Brian Thomas, there's the three quarterbacks that we haven't talked about, Adonai Mitchell. I think a handful of those guys could. I think it's it's just a good value play right now to buy those at the cheap, and then you could sell them at draft time, like rookie draft time. I didn't like what you're seeing. But like all of those guys could definitely, like Brian Thomas – uh, out of LSU, he's, the one, he's the one that stands out for you, right, Brian Thomas, if he yeah. gets draft capital? Yeah. To me, like, if he gets draft capital, like it seems like the NFL people are saying he is, he yeah. had a great year. He has really cool, interesting uh, statistics as being the second option on LSU. It, and then it's 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 kind of what makes me interested about Daniels. Is Daniels like uh, a Burrow-type emergence? Or did those two receivers – you know, keep him afloat. Like who, who did what, or it could they all three could be great. I don't know. Cause it could be like chase Jefferson and Burrow. I don't know. I don't, I'm not necessarily comparing those guys, but in general, the concept sticks three quarterbacks. I mean, JJ McCarthy could go top 15, 20 as a quarterback and then go to the back of the first round or early second round in, in dynasty drafts. That's great value. Uh, I don't like Penix. I, I, I don't really love Nick's. But um, Bo Nix looked good this year to me. But then, again, Senior Bowl, he kind of was crappy. And I think people are going to be down on him. So he might be a good value. So you listed, like, Bo Nix, J.J. McCarthy, Michael Penix. Um, you've got the receivers, Brian Thomas Jr., Xavier Worthy, um, Troy Franklin, Donnie Mitchell, uh, maybe Keon Coleman. There's, like, a mm -hmm. big list of guys. Basically, the guys, they get the best draft capital. Matt will probably go in that 108 to 112 range. Um, who are your top targets in that range as things stand right now? So I I do love Xavier Worthy, um, just based on again, uh not really deep diving into him yet, just kind of seeing him on Saturdays over the last couple of years. I've been really impressed with uh his separation. I think he plays bigger than his size. Uh I've there's a lot of really cool clips going around of just him being able to create what they call like space space in a phone booth type thing where he can get like really open on a short route. Uh, I think that helps him a lot, especially down in the uh, red zone. There's a lot I like about his game. I think he's the most talented uh, receiver in this tier. I don't have a good answer for why his freshman year was his best year. though. <laughs> so um, I know he kind of, gets knocked a little bit like in probably in your model, Todd, and in some of the other uh, analytics models, there's some concern about why his sophomore and junior year fell off. And I do think there was a lot of people that have watched the film and have watched a lot of Texas games do kind of blame his quarterback. Uh, 
I don't know how to say this guy's name. Quinn Ewers. I mean, my pushback is like how many, how good of a college quarterback do we need? Like Quinn Ewers is going to be drafted probably in the first round next year. Like it's just tough for me to. The the main knock I've heard is that he consistently. The main knock, real quick, main knock I've heard on Ewers is that he consistently overthrew Worthy when Worthy was open downfield. And that's because he he, he doesn't throw a good deep ball. Maybe Xavier Worthy needs to grow an inch or two. <laughs> so I, I was looking at like KTC or like uh, Brian Brian I are in a startup. The guys going around these picks, 108 to 112, are guys like Jaden Reed, Jordan Addison, Stefan Diggs, George Pickens. Are we willing to move those types of players for these picks? And that, that that hesitation from you is why I don't like these picks in the 108 to the 112 because I don't know what players – I mean, Ken Walker is in that range. What players are we willing to trade for these picks if we're going to go by? See, I'm more comfortable trading a top six or seven uh, rookie pick even though they're tiers above the guys we are talking about now because there's certainty, right? Like if I trade Brian my 105, I know that's Neighbors or Bowers or even a better prospect, right? I – just don't know if I trade a 110, I don't know if that's like Troy Franklin on the Chiefs, and then like I have some regret like a couple months from now. Like you, we just don't know. So with the amount of uncertainty that's from like 108 to 202, like Brian said, I just would not want to move any of those picks until we get clarity of who's going where and, and what their value is going to be. And in terms of buying, like something that I would look to do is packaging like two second round picks. Like I think a lot of people are going to say everybody's the same after the top seven and say like, I'm going to give you two Oh five and two ten or something like that for one eleven or what, you know, that sort of thing. Like those are the types of deals that I think are definitely out there that if you say, if, if there's people that don't care after the top seven, which there always will be like that happened last year, you can get a good value gain there where it's like there is a drop-off coming at some point if you have the drop-off a little bit later after those guys at least with high ceilings i think it's a nice nice play to make okay the one guy, would you would you be thought. willing to take like your 106 your 105 that i've counted as like the greatest pick in the history of rookie drafts would you be willing to take one of those picks and move back to say the 108 and the 111, and you probably couldn't make that trade exactly, but like some sort of trade that comes out in equal value, are you comfortable moving back and getting out of those that 105 spot? For me, I, I think it would be silly not to, to not to do it on the clock for those picks, the top six. I think you would want it to the point of somebody dropped for someone else in your league that they have to have, and they give you like a godfather offer. That's, that's where I would want to be at. So I would be like, hey – if you want this 106 Malik neighbors dropped, you got to give me, you know, your 108 and your 25 one, that sort of thing. Like come and get it or don't. And I'll take neighbors. Yeah. I think I agree with that. The only top six pick I've moved all off season uh, was in a in a package for Jalen hurts. And like, that is the type of uh, deal I'm comfortable making this early in the off season, because I feel like I know what I'm getting. And I think the other my trade partner knew what he was getting. We both understood the value of the 105 in that trade. But I, to your point, Brian, yeah, I, I think if I'm going to trade my 105 for too late first, I'm going to wait until the rookie draft. I'm going to wait until we get some clarity on some of the draft capital and landing spots and get a better idea of yeah. 
like I, I did this this last draft season, so the 2023 draft that uh, Gibbs, his hype was going crazy towards the end of rookie season, right? Like once he was drafted first, but or you know in the first round, and I traded. I think it was it ended up being 106 or 105, um, for 106. Jahan Dotson, which I liked at the time. Obviously, he sucks, but. Uh, and then I think I, I think I got like a second round on top of that just to move back one. So I traded and then ended up getting uh, Stroud out of that. So like I moved Gibbs for Stroud, who is the 106 plus whatever. Who cares what the, what right, the plus yeah. is, right? But that's like that's the kind of the yeah. example of that moving back that Todd talked about earlier as well. Like fall back into tears. Like I was fine having CJ Stroud in that situation. But more drafted. But I, I want to hold on here. I don't. Jahan Dotson is he completely? Is he completely dead? I think he's I'm pretty not saying, dead. I'm not saying he's dead quite yet. I'm not saying he's alive and well. I think he's probably like in, like coming out of his. Maybe he like if he can get Drake May, he's like coming out of his coma. If he's not he, dead, he's in he, a hospice. Yeah, he's I, in I hospice. think so, like I think someone needs. Dipped. I think someone needs to give me. He has some memory uh, loss. Someone needs to like, yeah, like reinvigorate my interest in him. That's I've been hurt before, and I'll be hurt again. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, uh, proceed cautiously. I guess is the my my point. And I don't think the what Washington has done this offseason inspires a lot of confidence. I know for me it doesn't. Cliff Kingsbury um, don't really care about him. If anything, I don't think he'll have a positive effect on Washington. Uh, The one guy that's not quite in this tier, but I do think is kind of working himself up into that early two, maybe late one range, depending on draft capital and landing spot. Todd, you mentioned him briefly earlier, and I don't want to overrate the senior bowl and uh, the impact it has, but Roman Wilson is a guy that I am very interested in. He's the one that stands out to me the most as a guy that's going to rise a lot in the next couple months. And it seems like a lot of people agree that he's going to get top 60 draft capital and everything about this guy. I like, like, I I think you can explain some of his numbers away the same way you can JJ McCarthy, just Michigan scheme. They did not need to pass the ball. He was their go-to guy on third downs. He has some explosiveness and separation to his game. He's a, seems like a great route runner. And like the, uh, two things that I really like is he's a, his hands pop off the tape when like he goes and plucks the ball out of the air and does not body catch. Um, and the other thing is I love this kid's makeup, right? Like uh, he's very competitive, super hard worker. And like, I don't really want to overlook that stuff a lot of these times. Cause I think whatever his talent and potential in the NFL ends up being, he's going to maximize it. Uh, like if he busts, it's not going to be, because he's like fucking around like maybe Jamison Williams and shit. So that he's a guy that I really have my eye on and I'm going to be trying to be overweight on it. Just as long as he gets top 60 draft capital and doesn't fall to like third, fourth round. My issue with Roman Wilson is like, what was he, what was going on those first three years? Like why, why is Ronnie Bell Jr. out producing him? Why is Cornelius Johnson? You've never heard of those guys? Yeah, that's because they're not very good. I've like heard Roman of Ronnie Wilson. Bell, but I know Ronnie he's Bell. Is, Ronnie Bell is on the 49ers. I don't know if he's going to be dressing up for the Super Bowl, <laughs> but like, why is Roman Wilson behind those guys? I just I can't get I can't get behind these guys Michigan that is, were all of a sudden uh, their fourth year 
they give us something and we get excited once the senior bowl comes around. Like Mich- I'll just Michigan is a total enigma to me. Like in general, they play old school. They'll go games where they throw it six times in a game. And it's just, it's, it's bizarre. Cause you don't know that that could be the best receiver in the draft, but he didn't, wasn't given opportunities. Maybe it was a football guy decision. Maybe he wasn't talented enough, but like what you're that's- talking about, like freshman, not playing like, Harbaugh's the kind of guy that's like, oh, you didn't, you missed a block like in fall, like fall practice of, you know, 2021. So you're going to get benched, sort of thing. Like to me, that he gives those vibes. That's the beauty of receiving yards per team pass attempt is that even if your team is throwing 10 times per game, if you get 25 yards per game and your team throws 10 times per game, you are getting a 2.5 yards per team pass attempt. So, like, you can still get by with that stat, and that's why I, that's why I read yeah. that stat because it doesn't really matter how many times you're. It's it's also inherently like we're talking about like play style. Like Harbaugh is, I don't think he's a good like. They didn't do anything creative throughout the entire season. It was like we're bigger than you. We're going to shove you out of the way. So, like, they're not necessarily designing plays to get their guys into great spaces either. In my opinion, like they're they're boring as hell to watch. I could not stand watching that. They they won, but they were so boring to watch. So I'll tie this to another guy that is in this tier. But um, so one of the players that Roman Wilson kind of reminded me of that also had his stock elevated by the senior bowl last year uh, was Jaden Reed. And I, I kind of still like that where like, I don't think that Roman Wilson is going to turn into like a Monrossing Brown necessarily uh, where he's like got top five wide receiver potential. Uh, but I, I do think he's the type of guy that goes in like the mid second of rookie drafts and then raises his value throughout his rookie season. That's what I would kind of compare him to. And to like tie this back around, Keon Coleman outproduced Jaden Reed at Michigan State. And I would definitely rather have Jaden Reed right now than Keon Col- than just guessing on Keon Coleman. But uh, Todd, do you have like any kind of Keon Coleman thoughts at all or takes? Or I don't know if you had the chance to run the numbers on him. I don't know. He's probably not very good. I mean, and, and here's the thing: <laughs> you're always gonna have outliers. Like we're all we're gonna every year. There's gonna be guys that come in and they're like, "Oh my gosh, this guy's good out of nowhere!" Like that's gonna keep happening. I just don't want to bet on them to happen. That's that's all I'm saying. Like I want to like if I'm playing blackjack, I want to play as by the book as I can. I don't want to hit on 14 when the dealer's showing a 6. Like I'm just going to sit back and hope the dealer busts. I just don't want to bet on them. Well, do I know that I'm going to miss on a Jaden Reed? Do I know that if, you know, if Roman Wilson becomes a stud do i know i'm gonna miss on him yeah i am i i do know that and i'm okay with it knowing that i didn't bet on mccall hardman sky Moore, um I, tutu atwell all these other guys that i think it all great. depends for like roman roman wilson i think you, what you said is a great example like the black check analogy for sure but if roman wilson is i don't know i don't know how much hype he's getting but if he's like a third round rookie pick that's a lot better bet Right. If, if, if we're moving him up into like he's a early two, I think, I think it's a bad bet. It's a bad bet. I think he's going to settle in the early to mid two. Um, Cause I like, I just casually following a lot of these uh, people, are, and dynasty know, yeah. people on Twitter, like he's starting to pick up steam. Um, and and yeah, then, then I agree with Todd. Man. That's a bad bet. Like it could hit. You might win on bad bets. 
but you more often than not lose. You like look at, at guys that went in the second round, Alec Pierce. There's one um, that people got excited about after, you know, combine or w- whenever it was, or you look at Kadarius Tony goes to the, goes to the senior bowl and performs well. These Tony guys, like, there's just so many of them that that get hyped late, and we forget about them. Tony, the, the one that hits, everybody gets He's not hurt, though. Tony's not hurt. Player. Was made that very clear. I don't know if he told anybody, but he's not hurt right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The receivers that I kind of like from that 108 to 112 range that I'm kind of like, eh, they're interesting, are Troy Franklin and Xavier Worthy. They're going to be guys that what what you hope for is they run a crazy 40 time and the NFL gets really excited about them. I don't really care about their 40 time, but I know the NFL cares about their 40 time. I think I posted on Twitter before, but there's been like three guys since 2014 or something that have had a high, greater you than guys, four or five 40 that have gone in the first round. And did, did like you, guys, you need to be inside the four fives. Did you see the graphic that the senior bowl was like tracking – uh, different players in the senior bowls like game speed, which is I think is a really cool thing if they can start if they start doing that more of that like game yeah. speed versus like you know the like underwear Olympics like that's right. that's a really cool data point potentially. Uh, no one jumped out of me good or bad, but like it was interesting to see that. And that that came up last year with Puka Nakua. The Rams, uh, there was a story that the Rams had game speed data on him. It was like this guy, like I think he ran like a four six or four five seven or something. And the Rams were like, this guy was one of the fastest guys on the field in several different games. So, and you kind of saw that during his rookie year. He definitely plays with better speed than he kind of showed at the forty. And there are players like that that that's the case for. Yeah, there's been seven guys since 2014 to run a 40, or actually Drake London. I'm I'm counting um, greater than a four five. So like, if you don't run sub four five, it's gonna be tough for you to get into the first round. Is really all I'm saying. Yeah. And I, Ray Franklin's gonna be somebody that kind of is in that JMO, and maybe he's not an idiot like JMO. So maybe we can get get. Maybe he can pop. Maybe Xavier Worthy can pop, and we've got a couple guys that we can add to that 108 to 112 range that I feel more comfortable with because I'm I don't feel good about him right now. All right, so that wraps us up. Thank you for joining the Dynasty Market Watch presented by Bulletproof Family of Podcasts. We will be back every week this offseason after the MFL Combine. Like I said, we're going to start hitting more on rookies outside of the first round. We have a clear view on draft capital. Next week, we're going to be discussing Dynasty Startup Strategy, so look for that. You can find us on Twitter. Brian is at Brian underscore O'Leary1. Matt is at Dynasty Peasant. And I am Todd at Dynasty Sflex. Also find me in the Bulletproof Discord. Would really help us if you give us a rating and review of the podcast. Thanks for joining. Everybody knows Shaq and Lillard of rap, but don't sleep on former Celtics great Dana Barros and his hit song on YouTube. Check it.